First John chapter 2. We're going to pick it up actually in verse 7 again tonight. I wanted to back up a little bit and get a running start into this evening's passage. Last week we were talking about love and loving others and we saw that God calls us and actually commands us to love because He's placed His Holy Spirit within us. And Paul tells us in Romans 5.5 that God has poured out His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. So, we can love. It's not a question of can we love like God loves. It's more the question of will we love as God loves Will we yield to the Holy Spirit? Will we allow the Holy Spirit to control us and supernaturally empower us and enable us to love like God? And just like every week, tonight we've got a lot that God wants us to chew on, to consider, to contemplate tonight in this passage of Scripture. I want to begin just by reading these couple verses. 1 John 2, 7, Dear friends, and so in this passage where John is talking about love, John starts out this paragraph by reminding those that he is writing to that he loves them. And this is a term of deep affection. John the Apostle is saying to these people, you mean so much to me. You are not just a friend, you are a dear friend. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you've heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you've already heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you. And we talked about the reason it's true in us is because of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we talked about why John talked about an old commandment and then a new commandment. It's old in the sense of the the command to love one another goes all the way back to the Old Testament law, where in the book of Leviticus, God commanded His people to love their neighbor as themselves. But now it is new in this way. When Jesus came onto the earth, one of the things that elevates Jesus' earthly ministry, and that's one of the things that John is doing here in a subtle way, the false teachers were downplaying the earthly ministry and life of Jesus, and John, in a very real way, is elevating how important the earthly life and ministry of Jesus was because it was through the incarnation, it was through God coming in the flesh that He was giving us now a real-life example of what it meant to love. And so in that way, it's new. Because Jesus is calling on His disciples, His followers, to love as He loves. In fact, keep your finger there in 1 John. And go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 13. And let's look at this for a moment. I believe that this is where John is getting this from, or what he's referring to here in 1 John. And again, remember, John was a first-hand eyewitness of Jesus, of all that he saw and heard as he followed Jesus for three years. Look at verses 34 and 35 of John chapter 13. 
Jesus is saying to his followers, I give you a new commandment to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So the standard, the standard for love in our lives is Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. Jesus Christ is the standard of our love life. And then this unbelievable statement in verse 35. And, and this is a statement that we're going to just touch on tonight. But what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to go home and I'd like you to, to chew on this for a while. Notice what Jesus says in John thirteen thirty-five: Everyone will know by this that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now think about it. Out of all the distinguishing marks that Jesus himself could have chosen to say to his disciples, this will be the distinguishing mark that tells other people, you are my disciples. He could have chosen your biblical knowledge is going to show people that you're my disciples. And there's nothing wrong with biblical knowledge. He could have said, your prayer life is the distinguishing mark that will show others you're my disciples. That's important, but that wasn't what he chose. He could have said, your faithful service is the distinguishing mark that will tell other people you are my disciples. And we could go on and on of all the good things that Jesus could have chosen to say, this is the mark. This is what will distinguish you as my disciple more than anything else. And what did Jesus choose? The love that you and I have for one another. That, above everything else, is what Jesus says will distinguish us as His disciples. Now, the reason I want you, because this is, so, we, we could spend all night just on that verse. I'd like you to go home tonight, beginning tonight, and I'd like you to put some thought into that. Why do you think? Why do you think, out of all the wonderful things that Jesus could have chosen, His Word in our life, our prayer life, our service, uh, our faithfulness, our attitude, all of these things, that above everything else, Jesus says the one thing, more than anything else, that will distinguish my followers as my disciples is your love that you... Not even, my, not even your love for God. Notice he doesn't even say that. He says your love for one another will be the distinguishing mark. To me, that makes our love as brothers and sisters in Christ pretty important. Another thing Jesus could have said, He could have said, your love for the lost. Your, your witness to the world about me. That will be... No. Jesus says, the love that you all as brothers and sisters in Christ have for one another. That more than anything else, will be what distinguishes you as my disciples. 
That's why John, back in 1 John now, I think writes so much about this. Because he heard it from the very lips of his Lord and Savior, Jesus. How important it was that Christians get it. That we learn the, the primacy of love for each other in our lives. And what does then that mean? And how do I, how does that translate? And how do I, you know, how can I live that out in my Christian life? So back to 1 John chapter 2. Let me repeat these verses. Dear friends, I'm not writing an old commandment to you, but an, or a new commandment, but an old commandment which you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word you've already heard. And Sunday we talked about the importance of hearing well. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you. I want to just stop for a moment and talk about the word true. The word true means what cannot be hidden. What is undeniable reality. It's where we get our word authentic from. Think about it. Something that is true, if it's really true, it cannot be hidden. It is undeniable reality. And John is saying, this kind of love was so much in Jesus Christ that it was undeniable. He could not hide the fact that he was loved and that he loved other people. Look at his life, John says. It was true in him. He was authentic in his love. It was genuine. It was sincere. It wasn't put on. It wasn't fake. It wasn't hypocritical. It came from within him. And he lived every moment of his life here on earth just pouring out love to others by the way that he lived. And John is saying that same love exists in us as his followers because we have the presence of God through the Holy Spirit living in us. And that's why John calls us back to the command of Jesus to love each other as Jesus has loved us. Now again, you and I can't love that way on our own. We can only love like Jesus loved. We can only, as we talked about last week, walk as Jesus walked when we are under the control of the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to empower and enable us. On our own, no matter how hard we try, we could never love each other the way God loves us. But through the Holy Spirit, we can. And we're going to talk more about that. And why is it important that you and I be loving? Well, keep your finger in First John and go back for a moment to the Gospel of Matthew, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. And let me set the stage here. In Matthew 24, verse 12, the context here, Jesus is talking about the, the characteristics of the last days. What the times will be like, you know, before His second coming and how how it's going to be really bad on the earth. And one of the statements Jesus makes deals with the lack of love on the earth. Notice the statement Jesus makes in Matthew 24, verse 12. And because lawlessness will increase so much, 
the love of many, literally in the Greek, the love of the majority will grow cold. Literally in the Greek, it's chilled by the wind. It means that love will decline, love will diminish. Love will not be. Well, we are living in a world where lawlessness is increasing. Literally, it means without law. People are a law unto themselves. They do whatever they want, whatever they feel like. And, and because of that, that sort of self-centeredness and just looking out for number one and all of that, Jesus equates that that, that lack of a moral compass, that lack of living by God's laws and by God's will actually causes the uh, a, a love to go out and the fire of love to go out and, and, and that the world will become colder, a colder place to be. And you and I can even see that even today, that the world we live in now is different from even the world 25, 50 years ago. And it will continue to get colder and colder because of the increase of lawlessness. That there is a, uh, a correlation between love and love being expressed to each other as human beings and the, the rampantness of, of sin and iniquity and wickedness that, that is going to be found on the earth. And so no wonder it's so important that you and I as believers sort of distinguish ourselves as different from the world. That you and I make sure that we don't get caught up in, in growing cold, if you will, in our love. Not just our love for God, but as we're talking about tonight, our love for one another. Because Jesus said, this is the one characteristic that will mark you as my disciples above everything else is the love that you have for one another. We've got to be careful that though we live in a world where because of lawlessness is increased, the love of the majority is growing cold, that we don't let our love grow cold and be chilled by the wind as the Greek word teaches us there. Back to 1 John then, chapter 2. If God's love truly resides within us, then John is saying it will be an undeniable reality. You can't hide it. Whatever is true on the inside of us, John is basically saying what Jesus taught. Then it will come out. Whatever a person's heart really is, that, that will come out. That, that's why the Bible talks so much about the condition of our heart and the inner man and all that. Because Jesus said, it's not what goes into a person that defiles him, it's what comes out. And what comes out, comes out of the heart, the inner man, the very center of our being. And if, if our heart is right, then what comes out, whether it's through our, our lips, our words, or our actions and all of that, they're going to be right too. But if our heart's not right then the things that come out of our mouth and the, the actions that we do and all of that will be, will be skewed by our heart. And so John also is reminding us of that. That 
the truth will come out. Whatever is really in there will come out. And so that's why you and I as believers need to focus on our hearts and making sure that the inner man is being fed every day and nourished every day and strengthened every day so that that's good there on the inside, then if that's good, then what fruit is going to be expressed from that inner man is going to take care of itself. But if the inner man's not right, if the heart's not right, then what's going to come out is also undeniable. And then he goes on to say this. Back to 1 John 2.8. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness, the spiritual darkness, the ignorance of divine things is departing and disappearing and the true light, the genuine, the real light of God, the fuller light is already shining One of the things that John is saying here is, because remember, the context is fellowship with God. He's saying when you and I walk in the light, when we obey His commands, when we love one another as God calls us to love, there is also this this illumination in our life. There's this clarity in our life. We, We have the light of God going before us. We are enlightened. We, we see God bringing things to light. And John is saying that this is, this is a progressive thing that happens in our life as we walk in fellowship. The spiritual darkness, the, the obscurity, the, the ignorance of, of, of God's mind and God's word and God's will starts fading away and, it, and things get clearer to us. You and I know that to be true in our Christian life. The longer we're in fellowship with God, even in our study of God's Word, all of a sudden we'll go back and we'll start reading it again and and God will bring something to light that maybe we've never seen before. Why does that? Because the darkness continues to pass away. It diminishes. It departs. It disappears. And God's genuine true light begins to really shine in our life. And again, when God's light shines then all of a sudden we have an insight and a knowledge and a clarity that we didn't have before. Again, John is saying this is one of the great results of walking in fellowship with God. The false teachers and those that departed from the church that John's talking about here, they claim that they lived in the light, but we're going to see they were actually living in the darkness. So John goes on to say, verse 9, The one who says, and this is the third time now in this passage, he's used that phrase where we've talked about the importance of lining our actions up with our words. And we can claim anything, but our our actions have to line up with it. He says, the one who says he is in the light, that he is living within or in accordance to God's revelation, but still hates his fellow Christian is still in the darkness. Now, first of all, John is talking to Christians here. Remember, this is not talking about salvation or our relationship with God. This is talking about fellowship with God. And one can't hate a fellow Christian if one's not a, if one's not a Christian. You can't have a fellow Christian if you're not a Christian. And many Christians would read this and go, well, I don't hate my fellow Christians. But in the Bible, the word hate and love are used 
in a very clear way to express if I'm not doing the one, then I automatically fall into the other category. In other words, you and I might say, well, I don't hate my fellow Christian. But the Bible would teach if we're not expressing love to our fellow Christian like we should be, then that does fall into the hate category. Because hate is anything short of love from God's perspective. Think of it this way. There is no twilight in the spiritual world. Notice here. It's either light or darkness. I think the, the trouble today, and, and it's, it's been this way for quite a while, is as Christians, to, to make ourselves feel better, we've created 80% of the Christian life as a gray area, and only 10% on both sides is black and white. Yet if you read and study God's Word, it's just the opposite. you got pretty much 80% that's black and white, from God's perspective, and there's only a few things that are gray. And, and Jesus even talks about it. Remember, Jesus even said to those that wanted to fight, he said, if you're not with me, then you're what? You're against me. It's not, well, if you're not really with me, then you're almost there. No, Jesus said, if you're not fully with me, then you're against me. And John is picking up that very same idea here when he says, if anyone says they are living in the light, but they are not expressing love towards their fellow Christian, then they're in darkness. They're not in twilight. (laughs) There is no twilight in the spiritual world. We are either in light or we are in darkness at any time. And so John is warning us here. He's saying, it's no small thing to not be loving our fellow Christians. Because if we don't love our fellow Christians, if we, and and let me say this too, if you study this word, hate, one of the nuanced meanings of this word is to be indifferent towards. That's, that's, That's a good way to look at it too. In other words, again, a Christian might read this and go, well, I don't hate my fellow Christians but are you indifferent towards them? In other words, well, you know, I don't really hate them, but I don't really have any much feeling for them. Eh, I could take them or leave them. If I see them every once in a while, that's good. If I fellowship with them every once in a while, that's good. But I can't really say I have a fire for my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I think God calls us to be more than just casually indifferent towards one another. We're going to see this on Sunday in Sunday's message. If we are to love each other as Christ loves us, do you think Christ is indifferent to us? Do you you think He wouldn't care if we never spend any time together that maybe every once in a while we just hung out with him when we felt like it when we you know I don't think so I don't think that's the way Jesus loves me I think Jesus has a passion for me and I and I hope 
that I hope you understand Jesus has a passion for you. He loves you. And it's not this ooey gooey mushy. Remember, agape, biblical, Christ like love is seeking the highest good of the person that I'm loving. And it is always described as selfless, sacrificial, supernatural. It goes way beyond the, the love that the world talks about. And it's also characterized because it is a love of choice. I don't love somebody because they're lovable, even though they might be. I don't love somebody because they love me back. I don't even love somebody because God tells me to love them. I primarily love others as a Christian because that's the way Jesus loves. I am to walk just as Jesus walked. I am to love just as Jesus loved. And Jesus chooses to love us. It's not because we're always the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's not because we're always obedient and always worthy or deserving of His love. But God's love for us, agape love, is unconditional. He chooses to love me through it all. He says, I love you. And I will love you now, and I will love you always. There's nothing that you could ever do that I will love you any less than I've always loved you. And there's nothing you could ever do that would cause me to love you any more than I always love you. I just always love you. That's love. And so... When the Bible calls us, when Jesus calls us to love our fellow believers as Jesus loves us and says this will be the distinguishing mark of my disciples is your love for one another. That just blows me away. That's why, can I just tell you as a pastor, it just, that, that's I guess one of those things like I, I can't understand why New Testament Christians today don't understand the importance of the local church. Because how can you and I love each other and somehow say we're going to live our Christian life on our own apart from a body of believers? Whenever Jesus says the single most distinguishing mark of my disciples is your love for one another. How are you going to demonstrate that love for your fellow Christians if you're never around your fellow Christians? And you don't, you don't exist uh, continually in a body of believers where people can see that you are loving one another. How does that work then? I, I don't understand it. Somebody could explain that to me. Please do. I've never been able to come across somebody that can make that leap. So notice John goes on to say, by the way, the word darkness in verse 9 speaks of spiritual obscurity which blocks the light of God. 
That's not a good place to be. Instead of having clarity in one's life because we have light, because we're walking in fellowship with God and and we're loving our brothers and sisters in Christ and all of that, we're walking in the realm of obscurity and God's light is blocked from our life. Notice he says though in verse 10, the one who loves his fellow Christian, the one who continuously, that's what the word loves mean, it, it's continuous, it's not, well, love when I feel like it, it's continuously, actively, consciously loves his fellow Christian, resides in the light. And I love this word reside. It means to be held or kept continually in the light. It's almost as if God is saying, if you will love your fellow Christians, I'll make sure you don't get out of the light. I'll hold you in that light. Because I want you to see how important it is to me that you love one another as I have loved you. And when we begin to selfish, uh, selflessly and sacrificially lay down our lives for each other and truly love each other as Jesus loves us, the Bible says we will just we'll reside in light. And instead of obscurity, again, there will be clarity. And then he goes on to say this. This is important. The one who loves his fellow Christian resides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. The Greek word for stumbling here is the word skandalon, where we get our word scandalous from. Or a scandal. And the Greek word meant something that would entrap or trip someone up. So what I think John is saying is this. He's saying two things, I think, here. I think he's saying both. It's not either or, it's both and. I think he's saying when you and I love our brothers and sisters in Christ, our fellow Christians, not only will we be held and kept continually in the light, but we won't be trapped or trip in our life. Because obviously we're residing in the light. There will be light in our life. And we won't be tripping and falling all the time. And it doesn't mean we're going to be sinless. doesn't mean we're not going to make any mistakes. But he's talking here about continually tripping and being trapped in things. And then I think he's also saying this. The word also then speaks about one's life being a trap or, or tripping others up. So he's saying, not only will you... If you reside in the light and love your brothers and sisters in Christ, not only will you not be trapped or trip yourself up, you also will not trip others up and trap them by the way you're living your life. That's how important loving one another is. That when we love each other as God calls us to, it literally keeps us in the light and keeps us from tripping ourselves up and tripping others up. And being a stumbling block, if you will, to others. I mean, think about it. How many people today maybe aren't part of a church and maybe don't go to church regularly because the church body that they were a part of or the group of Christians that they were around, they skewered other Christians. They railed on them. They slandered them. They gossiped about them. And they were like, 
Well, if that's what it means to be a Christian and part of a church and part of the body of Christ is listening to them rail on each other like that, and then I, I don't want that. See, in a sense, then, that would fall under the stumbling block. That's causing someone else to, to trip because of our example. And it goes back to how we treat one another as believers in Jesus Christ. Then he goes on in verse 11 to say this. But the one who hates his fellow Christian, again, one who fails to express love to his fellow Christian, not only is in the darkness, but notice in verse 11, walks or stays in the darkness. As long as we are not loving our fellow Christians, we're going to stay in the dark. And when we live in darkness as a Christian, we will not know where we are going. What does that mean? It means even as a Christian, I will not be aware of my mission, my objective, and my purpose in life. That's what it means. Why I won't know where I'm going. What am I here for? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Well, here's what I think Jesus would tell us in a very loving but firm way. Jeff, start loving your fellow Christian and then you'll know what I want you to do. See, we get it backwards. We want God to tell us, God, tell me what my mission and purpose is in life while I treat my fellow Christians like dirt. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Start with loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you start living your life loving them, then all of a sudden my light will come into your life and other things will become clear to you, like what you should be doing, what your mission and purpose and objective is and where you should be going. You're bypassing the obvious Love your brothers and sisters and now you've jumped over that and you're disregarding that very important command that I've given you and now you want me to shed light on all this other stuff? God says, no, no, no. You need to go back because I'm shedding light on this. I want you to start practicing love towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. And when you start loving them, then these other things will become clear. And then John says, The one who hates his fellow Christian is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Notice what John is saying. The consequence of living in the darkness is not merely that we do not see, but that we go blind. We go blind. Think about those creatures that live in perpetual darkness, whether in a cave or even underwater or whatever. Pretty soon, they don't even, they, you know, it's not even necessary for them to be able to see anything. Because they live in a perpetual state of darkness. And John is saying, here's, here's what we as Christians have to be warned about. That if, if we don't watch it, we can live in the darkness so long that we go blind. And we become very unaware of what we're doing how even our actions and attitudes and words and stuff, even how even they affect other people. 
that, that's even why sometimes, and hopefully it's not us, but sometimes you might even see another Christian behave in a certain way and it almost takes you back and you go, oh my goodness, did, did, did they not, do they not realize how that's coming across? The answer biblically is, they might not. They, they might be totally blind and unaware because they lack all spiritual discernment and deception to know how they're coming across and how they're hurting others. Even though they're hurting them, they might not be aware of it because they're blind to it, because they've, they've dwelt in this state for so long. That's why it's important that you and I as believers fellowship with God and stay in the light. Because we can get to a place where our spiritual sensitivity and our awareness and our discernment and our perception can dwindle so much that we become blind to where we really are and how how sad of a state we are in and maybe even how unloving we have become. And that's not a good place to be. That's not a place where you and I will experience the highest quality of life. Because as Jesus taught us by his own life, the highest quality of life is only achieved when we lose our life. Remember what Jesus said? If you want to gain in this life, you've got to lose your life. If you want to hold on to your life in this life, then you'll lose what's really important. The principles of the kingdom of God are just the opposite from the world. And then in closing tonight, I'd like you to turn back to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I couldn't end without looking at these verses. We started out tonight looking at John 13.35, where Jesus, 1 Corinthians 13, where Jesus tells us that the distinguishing mark of my disciples above everything else is their love for one another. Now again, I want you to go home and chew on that. Why, out of everything that Jesus could have chosen, prayer, the Bible, service, witnessing to the lost, all these great things, and they're all good things, why did Jesus choose our love, our love for the lost? Why did He choose our love for one another as the distinguishing mark? And as if that doesn't elevate how important love is, then 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the first three verses, really emphasize, again, the priority or primacy of love. Where Paul wrote to the Christians in Corinth, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, 
And if I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away everything I own, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I receive no benefit. It was recorded that the aged Apostle John, when he was near his death, and very frail in health, was asked by some followers of Jesus Christ to give them a word. Give us one last message, John. One last sermon from the great apostle to us. What what is it, John? And it was recorded that the aged apostle John simply stood before this crowd of disciples of Jesus Christ. And said three words. Love one another. That was the message. That's the message. I'm so thankful that I pastor a church where there is love. And where we do, I believe, love each other and love new folks when they come in. But folks, God wants us to go to a higher level than what we've even been doing. God wants us to so love one another here that it is undeniable reality that what God does through us in our relationships with each other cannot be hidden. And that we become a testimony to others all around us that above everything else, we are the disciples of Jesus Christ because we love one another. Father God, thank You for the love that You give to us. It is undeserved. It is unconditional. And yet, Lord, every day we wake up in Your love, wrapped up in Your love, secure in Your love, cradled in Your love. There is never a moment of our lives, Lord, with You that we are unloved. Lord, with that true. May we begin to love each other as You love us. May we allow the Holy Spirit of God more than ever to work in and through us so that God, our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ, our fellow believers, will be to such a level of love that it is an undeniable reality that cannot be hidden that we are Your disciples, Jesus. And even though, God, I believe here at the Oasis, we do have a love for each other, it is my prayer and hope that we will increase 
and abound in our love for one another more and more. Because we live in a world, God, where the love of the majority is growing cold. And in the midst of a world that is cold, God, help us to heat it up with your love. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. And Sunday, hope to see you Sunday.